Welcome to Fort Wayne Ballet's Kinetic Conversations. Today, we'll be talking with Fort Wayne Ballet Artistic Director Karen Gibbons-Brown about the Fort Wayne Ballet 65th anniversary, the celebration being planned, and her vision for the choices surrounding this exciting program. So with that, welcome, Karen. Thanks for having me today. So 65 years, that's a long (laughs) time. Um, Can you quickly maybe give a brief history of how the ballet began here in Fort Wayne? Sure. Back 65 years ago, or actually 66 years ago, a group of community people decided that the community needed a strong training program for young dancers. So Fort Wayne Ballet, actually Fort Wayne Ballet was incorporated as a not-for-profit organization, but began as a private school under a director named Sally Zip. And these community people bought the program from Sally Zip, and she then went off and taught in Washington State. And... uh, there you go. That's how we started. But Sally Zip wasn't the first artistic director. John Neff was, John right? Neff was the first artistic director of the organization called Fort Wayne Ballet, yes. And it was on Broadway, if I'm correct, in terms of the original studios, the, the, where they started? That's my understanding. I wasn't here then. Right. But that is my understanding, that it was a studio. Actually, the building still stands on Broadway. And they've had a few homes throughout the time period until we moved to the Hour Center. Yeah, so that's, like you said, early in the history, 65 mm-hmm. years is a long time. You've been here for a while now, and I'm curious, as we talk a little bit about moving on to talking about this program, what are some of the things about your tenure that stand out? What are your milestones during your time here? I think a lot of change has happened with the organization in my tenure here. We have moved spaces. We have come from an old liquor warehouse on Penn Avenue to the Hour Center for Arts and Culture here on Main Street, We have a school that has grown and evolved. We've gotten some American Ballet Theater certification for our faculty, and the professional company began. I know that there was a professional company at at one point in time here, but this is the first time in quite a long time we've had a group of professional dancers that live and work here in our community. And when you look at at growth of an organization, some of those milestones uh, sort of lead us to today. You know, right. without the professional company, I don't think we'd have the program that you've chosen. So, talk a little bit about part of the growth step in this celebration program and how you programmed it. What really led you to program it the way you did? You're exactly right. We would not be able to do this program without a professional company. In part because all of these pieces are from trusts or from a current live choreographers. So. You have to have a level of dancer and a dancer that can work different lengths of time during the day to be able to present these programs. So the pieces that I've chosen specifically for the gala, I'm so very excited about. This is the first time we've been able to really delve into 20th century choreography full force. You know, we've done a lot of work from the 19th century the classical ballets and the romantic ballets, but these are all considered contemporary ballets in their time. So we span from about 1930, 40 until the 2010s. So some of that in terms of looking at 20th century, even though 20th century is actually the last century, (laughs) intimidates some people in terms of thinking about what they, they think they know about dance. But from watching some of this, a lot of it will feel very familiar. So What about each of the pieces? And walk us through a little bit about each piece and and why they're special. Happy to. And I think you're right. You know, so many people think ballet is tutus and tiaras and men carrying women around. I think this program would beg to differ on that point. The first piece we'll be presenting is actually the newest piece of the bunch. It's called Swipe. And it's by a choreographer who's current, which means he's still working. Mm -hmm. His name is Val Canaparoli. 
and he is quite a prolific choreographer in some of the works he's done. The music that he's working with is by Gabriel Prokofiev, which is Sergei Prokofiev's grandson, but not at all what you would think when you think Prokofiev. It's very contemporary. Some of the music might be a little abrasive to the ear at the beginning. It's more percussive, I guess, is the best way to say it. The movement is very much the same way. It's a smaller piece. It has seven people, three women and four men. But when you get to the men's section, you can tell it was choreographed by a man. It's very athletic. It's got a lot of power to it, a lot of dynamic. And the girls' pieces do as well. So it's really quite a statement for us to be able to do something this contemporary on the program. So you mentioned he's quite prolific and obviously working throughout the country and the world in terms of his works. What about Val's pieces were interesting to you? Why Val? I felt that his work is some of the work that would most stretch the dancers to grow in a different way. And it has. It's been great to watch them evolve in the piece, but I felt like it was quite a growth statement for the dancers to be able to present this work. That's one of the pieces, but I know there's a handful of other ones. So tell us about some more of the pieces. There is a ballet by Agnes DeMille. Mm-hmm. Most people know her for the piece Rodeo. Rodeo right, right yeah. of course, or Rodeo, Rodeo. Um, but she also had a very broad career, and she did a lot of different things. Her name pops up in dance history where you would least expect it, like in the Ballet Russe, which we've talked about before. Sure. Uh, but she had a knack for creating Americana works. This is not an Americana work of hers. It is a piece called Three Virgins and a Devil. Okay. And when I first went to New York, I was probably 15, saw American Ballet Theater present this ballet, and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I didn't know ballet could be funny, and I thought that I would like to revisit it for our dancers. It's not as athletic as you would expect, but the movement, it's very subtle. So just the eyes changing on stage has meaning, and it's often not that way in dance. So it's a humorous little piece based on a Renaissance story about three virgins getting ready to go to church or the convent and the devil tempting them. And it's a matter of who wins. So we have the three virgins and a devil. You've talked about Swipe. Um, Mm -hmm. What else is on the program? The second half of the program will be, you know, we love the Arpino works that the Joffrey is so known for. The last two pieces are both choreographed by Mr. Arpino. The first will be called Ruth Ricordi Perdue, which means memories of you. And it's very poignant. I think anybody can relate to the choreography. It's a pas de deux, just two people, and it is amazingly beautiful. Mr. Arpino was known for his ability to make the partnering seamless. It's not announced that you're getting ready to be lifted. It's not announced that you're going to do a turn or a dive or a dip. And his work is just phenomenal. Again, this was the last piece he choreographed before he passed away, and we're one of the few companies that have done this piece, so we're honored to be able to present that to our audiences. So this particular piece, uh, while it was created for a couple, was it a specific couple or a specific commission, or do you know what was the history on that? Yes, I do. You asked two questions, so backing up, it was commissioned by a woman who was very supportive of the Joffrey Ballet in memory of her mother. So although you see a man and a woman dancing, that was the original intent of the piece, to be an honor, a memory of her mother, this woman's mother and her passing. The music is beautiful. It's by Albinoni. And it was a piece that they say Mr. Joffrey had been saving for something special. And he would come into the studios at this point in his life and 
sort of fiddle around with pieces that he'd already choreographed. And generally, they were just fine like they were. But the administration of the Joffrey felt like maybe if they could get him to choreograph another piece, that might keep him from fiddling with these masterworks and let them be. So they put him in a studio with two of the principal dancers at that time, Maya Wilkinson and Willie Shives. And he worked on this piece for them. And uh, it was very well received, but it's sort of been tucked away for a little while. So we're happy to bring it back out. No, it, it's one of the pieces that I think people will be surprised as a 20th century piece. Right. Even though it has those elements, it really does have a lot of classical feel to it. It does. And the movements all have names. Often when you get into contemporary dance, it's thread the needle or this is a fish. You know, the vocabulary is often very different as you're creating one of these works. But this is, it is all classical terminology and classical technique put together a little differently. And I will add that the costuming for this is really beautiful, simple yet beautiful. And the use of the costume in the choreography is really, that's its own rehearsal process, Uh (laughs) but it's something that's really beautiful to see. And then we finished the program with a piece that's the here, people here in Fort Wayne and probably in other places now know pretty well and it's pretty popular. That is uh, Light Rain. Light Rain. Yes. We presented it a few years back and it was tremendously popular. Still very current. The dancers love doing it. The audiences love seeing it. We actually took it to China and um, got our own mayor to practice the tree with us, which is the first How the Valley Opens and Closes. The music was composed by two men, Douglas Adams and Russ Gautier. Hopefully they'll be joining us. You know, that's another thing. We have a lot of these repetitors and choreographers coming to the coming ballet, to, to, Fort Wayne to the for performance, this, yeah. yes. But Mr. Arpino was walking by a coffee shop in San Francisco, heard these two players playing in the coffee shop, went in, listened, asked them to compose a piece for him to represent the youth of America and the world and hence light rain. What does a program like this do for the company's growth? What does it do for the the company in general? It's a stretch for the company in a lot of ways. Each of these pieces on their own requires a great deal of stamina. So when you put them all together, it's a very difficult program to get through physically. So that's a whole nother part of their training. But I think as for the dancers, most of them have not done these works before in their careers. Most of them may or may not have the opportunity to do them again. And to have all of these pieces on the dancers at the same point in the year and the season has allowed them to stretch in ways that I think they've discovered things about their own artistry that's really beautiful to watch happen. So we talked a little bit about your time here and some of the elements that are sort of signature milestones in the company's growth and maybe yours during your tenure as artistic director. Where do you see things going and maybe what do the next few years look like? A couple of things. I'd like us to continue to take our love and joy of dance, not just around our region or parts of the country, but continue to do our overseas work. Uh, We have some outstanding invitations that we'd love to pursue. I think also One dream I have for the company is bringing a well-known choreographer in to create a piece on our dancers, as opposed to doing pieces that have already been created on other dancers. Making the shoe fit, let's have the shoe created for our own dancers. That would be another goal. And to continue to bring some of these wonderful pieces of repertoire that are beautiful and they each have their own points and own gifts to offer to the audiences. 
So I look forward to continuing to bring those to our audiences as well as our classics that we love to do. As things evolve in terms of getting people to know about the ballet, figuring out how to do that may have changed because I know at one point going on tour or doing various other things was the way to do it. Right. Um, is that still part of it? Are there new things? We've lived through the last two years where a lot has changed and maybe doesn't change completely back. Where do you see the ability for the rest of the world to get to know Fort Wayne Ballet? I think one of the really amazing and interesting things about the past few years, I think one of the things that we've all come to is the world is indeed global. We often talk about dance being a universal language, and that's very true. But with that sense of global unity, I think we have the ability to share differently. I don't think we're going back to the bus and truck tour right. like it used to be. And those big ballets are so hard to take on tour. They're so expensive because of so many ballets and sets and props, et cetera, that you have to take when you go on a tour like that. But these smaller pieces are really great for sharing not only what you can do, but having a full program. And it allows the dancers to float in and out, and each of them have multiple experiences with the same piece of choreography. And that's part of the beauty of what a program like this does. Do I think we'll be able to continue to share? I do. I think that will evolve. I think the shape of that might change even more in the next few years. But I look forward to sharing what we do. It's happening now with some of the invitations that we're getting to perform and work with other places. So I hope that will continue. And do you see that pattern happening with other companies similar to ours larger? Is that how the pattern seems to be playing out? I do, and I think there's a lot more collaboration involved in companies collaborating together, together. to do pieces okay. or you Commissioning do this. pieces or various things together, creating the works. Correct. Sure. And I wonder, too, to your point, what's nice about this program is it is largely it's a rep program in the same way we've done some of the other ones that are very popular in that your entire evening is not one piece. You have a, a menu. You have various choices. And similar to your point of the bus and truck, carrying Nutcracker is expensive. Yes. And it's very difficult. But perhaps just like the tiny house movement, it's smaller but more <laughs> flexible in the sense that you cut out some of the things that maybe give you a little more flexibility or focus on other things. And maybe that's where we go. If you could pick one next step for the organization in terms of its priority, you mentioned choreography of a new piece, maybe getting out into the community more, the larger community in the nation. What is the one, maybe in your mind, be the next best step? I have three of them in my head right now. The first would be to have a choreographer see our work and we are able to commission them to come and create for us. I think the next thing would be some of that international travel. You know, we do have a professional company that we speak of and I've seen an uptick in the number of people requesting an audition and it is global. It is from all corners of the world. So our name is out there, which is lovely. We can't hire them all, of course. Sure, sure. And then the last would be to continue our regional work, and I mean not just Northeast Indiana, but a bit beyond that, and do some traveling and collaborating and sharing with some of our other groups. And that's actually one of the things that I'm sure we'll be talking about on this podcast in the upcoming year. Well, Karen, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. The gala weekend is March 11th and 12th beginning with a gala celebration evening Friday, March 11th. That will include cocktails, performance, and dinner. And as Karen mentioned, many of the repetitors and choreographers and others. Tickets are still left, a few. Check our website for those. 
There's also two performances on Saturday, March 12th at 2 and 7, and you can purchase those tickets as well by visiting Fort Wayne Ballet website, artsticks.org, or calling the box office at 422-4226. Connect Conversations is brought to you by Fort Wayne Ballet and Wayne Shaw Productions. Our guest was Fort Wayne Ballet Artistic Director Karen Gibbons-Brown. Our producers are John Dawkins and Jim Sparrow. If you'd like to receive notifications on future podcasts, please like the podcast and go to fortwayneballet.org to sign up for notifications on performances, podcasts, and more ballet news. You'll also find a library of past episodes on our website in the menu of options. Until next time, I'm Jim Sparrow, and thanks for listening to Kinetic Conversations with Fort Wayne Ballet. has been a Wayne Shout production.